Good morning. I'll tell you what, on a morning like this, when you have a praise team leading you in worship like this, when you have a beautiful baptism like this, when Pastor Nicole is leading us in uh, this beautiful uh, next season and reminding us of the sermon series that we're in, when you have a beautiful prayer, when you just feels like church has already happened. I feel like uh, all I have to do is say the blessing, say amen, and go home, but I, I won't do that. Um, we've come together. We've come to have church today. And um, all of these elements that we've been talking about have all been pointing us back towards the text, been pointing us back towards what it is that God has designed for this day, on this time, in this place, whether you're at home or here, what is his message for the church today? That's my prayer for us as we gather here. We are in this sermon series looking at um, welcome to hope, welcome to fellowship. Now this is welcome to church. And over the next few weeks, we're actually going to take a look at some of the original or early stories of early church members as they started in the book of Acts, as they found themselves enfolded into the church. And we're going to include next week as one church has to write a letter that includes other people in the church. So even as we're going to this other, uh, other building, we're going to talk about how when we talk about the church being a Catholic church with a little C, not a big C Catholic, that word means universal. It comes from the, the creeds that we've got in the history of the church, and we say, we believe in the holy Catholic church. It means that the, the world is God's church, and indeed, we see that already this morning as we hear the testimony of Emmanuel going around and uh, in these northern provinces, northern states, I should say, and finding there the thirst and the hunger for God. Last week, it was Lisa who reminded us that a, a fellowship is a group of people who have something in common, which made me stop for a minute and wonder, well, is that a church? <laughs> Makes me wonder if it applies to the church much uh, any day. Actually, reminds me of the, the Christian who was stranded on the, the desert island. You remember this guy, right? Uh, he was stranded on a desert island for years and years, and only uh, to find uh, his rescue comes, and he waves them down, and they come and rescue him. It's like, wow, how, you know, how long have you been here? I've been here for years and years, you know, 20 years here. And he goes, well, it's unbelievable. You have these, these three rooms that you've made. And he goes, well, yeah, I've got these three buildings. He goes, that's my house, and he goes, and, and that's my church. He goes, oh, he goes, well, what's, what's the third building? He goes, well, that's the church I used to go to. Seems like our fellowship may be lacking a little bit of the commonality that Lisa was speaking about last week. And so we find ourselves looking at the early church 2,000 years later after this event at Pentecost, wondering to ourselves, is this church? Wondering to ourselves after a quarantine, after a couple years of pandemic, and one that they tell, them, tell us will kind of go on ad nauseum, is this the new normal? Well, let's see what God has to say when he builds a church. We're in Acts chapter 2, continuing in our series. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you have your Bible with you, you can uh, open your Bible, or if you have your electronic Bible, I'll be reading from the NIV this morning, these five verses. Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May we pray for just a moment over the reading? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word to us, that as you stitched together the early church and you made uh, noise become known, we ask that you do the same thing with uh, the words that I've prepared this morning, that in the midst of all of this, that a translation, a, a miracle of the ear will happen, Lord, and that an understanding of your gospel will become fresh and anew so that your church will be prepared for what it has ahead. We thank you for your spirit's presence already with us and ask for a rich measure that we may know that you are here and you are speaking through me. Be with your servant, Lord. Forgive us where we fail you. In Christ's name, amen. The cool of the morning had just begun to burn off. Retiring in Jerusalem. <laughs> Who would have thought? So many from the uh, elder Jewish community had their eyes set on it, and those who were fortunate enough, they found themselves able to live in that great city where the temple was. He was young when the temple was being celebrated, the whole uh, coming together of ancient columns being dragged from far-off places, hewn and thrown into places, some columns so huge that 10 or 12 men with their arms joined cannot wrap around them. They're so large are the, the gates to this temple. Herod was trying to make, of course, uh, and appease all of the Jewish leaders within that community, trying to make everyone happy, get everyone uh, to get along, as it were. But now there's this new surge of a younger community, some new teacher who's causing all sorts of commotion. That morning he rolls up his mat after his morning prayers, and he hears his grandson downstairs. <laughs> his sons are visiting during this time of the feasts in Jerusalem. It's their most lucrative time of the year. Much of their uh, trading will get done during these next few weeks, and their annual budget will be set based on the what they're able to do at the market in the next few days. Warm goat's milk poured over the flatbed from last night with fresh cheese and dried figs. Perfect way to start the day. He loved that their home overlooked the market in the morning with the temple just to the east. But this morning, above the din of the carts moving about and the early haggling from innkeepers trying to get the things that they need for their day, there was another noise, like a, like a choir of geese. People are shouting, but it sounds angry and confused. He sets his mat aside and goes to, to check out what the fuss is all about. 
he moves more slowly now, especially trying to keep up with all the work of his uh, sons, trying, the, the work that they're trying to get done, and then, of course, the play that his grandson desires for him to engage as well. As he nears, these strange noises start clamoring together, bumping into one another. And in one instance, gibberish turns into something completely understandable. Like the words were coming from his own mouth, from his own mind. He spoke new words, too. Unknown to him, but familiar. This... This is the sound of the birth of the church. It's different than perhaps in a hospital room. Still some <laughs> confused crying and all that. But. Not exactly what you expect when you first witness a child born. You know, you just kind of count fingers and toes, test this, check that. Systems go. <laughs> this is what the church is like, right? They call it a body. And here we are some 2,000 years later. Why do we need a reminder about what the church is supposed to do? We're here, aren't we? I mean, we survived these last couple few years of difficulty. I mean, we're still filling seats and greeting people at home. We are the church, aren't we? Everything that we've learned over these last 2,000 years, isn't our body healthier, more fit than it was? You see, I think the problem with the first church is not that church itself is difficult, it's just that it's new. They're getting used to things, new to this whole new group of people, not sure what to do or what to expect. See, they started with a couple hundred. What did Lisa say last week? About 120 that they, that they count. Well, there's always the counted people and then the uncounted people, the also people. You know, and they fed 4,000 people that day and also many men and, uh, and, uh, and any, uh, women and children. So there's also the also people. So we have a couple hundred people who were probably gathered here last week according to the text in, in Acts chapter 1. And then, well, a couple thousand just like that. Maybe it's best if the church doesn't grow so fast. Maybe just pump the brakes a little bit. Anyone else need to catch their breath? No. <laughs> doesn't seem to be a problem today, does it, in the church? More dwindling numbers is what we see. Denominations bickering and having difficult disputes over Difficult things, but at difficult times. The body is shedding weight. One preacher uh, noticed this trend about a decade ago. I remember hearing them talk about it. And uh, as she was wondering aloud, she was at one of these conventions and seeing, she says, I kept on seeing all these graphs and all these charts of the church in decline. And, you know, the numbers kept on going down and down. And after about a dozen uh, or so of these uh, painting an apocalyptic picture of the future of the church, I thought maybe the church was losing weight for a reason. Maybe it's more like a weight loss chart, you know? One in which we, we lose the fatty edges. 
and are being made lean and agile for a potential future. Maybe the, maybe the body is getting marathon ready. Notice in our text they tell you how many were added to their assemblies in those first days, but they don't tell you how many went home angry, confused, sick, and tired of the late dismissal of the kids, or what was that pastor wearing this morning, a missed prayer request that didn't show up in the bulletin, and the two families who secretly went together to Swish LA to talk about, I'm not so sure I'm going to go to that church anymore. They didn't list that. That's, that's in the subtext or the footnotes of the end of Acts 2. Maybe we get confused about this whole body image. Maybe we get confused by because we've made the body into more machine than man. Replacing certain fleshly features for technological traits. We've seen that these last couple years, haven't we? Zoom meetings and YouTube channels make the first church of the futon really, really easy. See, we've automated so much of church that perhaps the organization is replacing the organism. Larger buildings instead of the tabernacle of our hearts that Christ calls us to. See, Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it reminds us of the humanity and the close proximity of the fellowship within the church. We get to see the church in action. We get to see what it does. And there's many stereotypical images, I think, of the Western church, of what it means to be uh, part of an evangelical circle today. Well, I'm so glad the church is not an evangelical circle. But yet, the image is out there. A church is a place, well, it's a church, is something that meets. We get together. It's a place that has hope. That's what we've talked about these last couple weeks, fellowship and hope. You know, they're they're happy, clappy people. They're praying people. They are united people. They're peaceful people. You know, they get along. And look, if you you take a look at the, the way the Bible describes how the church got its start in Acts 1 and 2, you start to see some of that, don't you? You see families gather. You see Mary there. You see the brothers of Jesus. That's what Pastor Lisa told us last week. They met together. They devoted themselves to meeting and to listening, listening to God. Jesus says, remain here. And what did they do? They remained there. Say, keep worshiping, something's coming. Okay. Don't forget my story now. And they remembered the story. And before he left, he blessed them and said, don't forget, Moses and the prophets, don't forget. And they didn't. They even recruited new leaders. They saw a gap in the leadership and they said, you know what, let's let's get this Matthias guy, let's get him plugged in. They ate together. Because God was preparing something. That's why they were fellowshipping together, and that's why they were hopeful, because the church is fellowship plus hope. 
See, even then they got it wrong. We get it wrong. Build your kingdom here. But see, to them it was bring down the kingdom. Remember the meeting of the Samaritans? Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? We can do it. Just give the word. Not realizing this torn curtain means something totally different. Means something new. There you are, staring at the sky, craned necks, waiting for the imminent return of Christ. But as Lisa reminded us, we don't just wait, we witness. That's what Emmanuel's doing on the other side of the planet. And we do that because it is a body. And friends, look around you. There are pieces to this body that are missing. The body is broken. But the church has sometimes done the job of telling people whether they belong or not, whether they're welcome or not. And over the next few weeks, we're going to discover a whole bunch of people that may just break your mold as to who's the folks that belong at church. I bet you didn't even expect to to find out that the majority of people who would have been overhearing what happened at Pentecost would have been a retired community. When God built the church, he started with the older generation. Take that home. This is not a slight against the church of old. But this is why there's confusion. is because the church doesn't act. It doesn't look the same way as what it used to. It looks worn down, tired or something. Maybe we should sit down and catch our breath. Hospitality is difficult in this post-quarantine. Everyone's still working out their pathways towards Sunday mornings. Those who get here wondering whether or not the seats are still assigned or not. Part of what we're doing here is reminding ourselves of what church is supposed to be about. It's why we have practices. It's why we communed together last week and welcomed Grayson into the church this week. As we explore these new households that are being included time and time again, and we include new households ourselves into this church, Maybe you've wondered about church membership or whether that is a thing anymore or is church for me. Well, the first thing you need to know is what church really is and what church really does. And so we have all these different ideas or images that we use to talk about. We sometimes talk about the church as a flock of sheep and Jesus, our shepherd. We sometimes talk about it being a house and Jesus being our cornerstone. Um, There's another image of the bride and the bridegroom. The one that always sticks out to me is is the one about the body. You'll find it if you look in your Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll read a little bit. Paul writes, There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. 
It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit. And so we're all formed into one body. It doesn't matter whether we are Jews or Gentiles, slave or free people. We're all given the same Spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It is many parts. Some of many parts. It's unity and diversity is what it is. I like the body analogy because it best describes where we are today. And if we're honest, and we take a look in the mirror, and we actually go to the doctor, we will find that some of our organs are failing. Cardiac arrest, perhaps. Some of our nerve endings are burnt out. We've lost some of our sensitivities. There's even some limbs that have gone missing altogether. We know a thing or two about these sort of troubles in the body, the failing organs, not the musical kind of organ, well, some, <laughs> some of those, but leaders who are gout sick, poisoned internal offal from sugary messages and a steady diet of preservatives. Is this the body of the church, tired, inflated? Or is it the vegan-eating, power-lifting, battle-ready? One thing I know is that the body is in need of transfusion. It needs a change. CPR would do a lot. <laughs> like a breath of fresh air. That's what Pentecost is, you see? Acts chapter 2, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Ruach in the Old Testament or the Pneuma in the New Testament. Translated in your Bible as breath, wind, or spirit. Like the spirit over creation hovering over waters. Like the breath in the lungs of a newborn <laughs> who gasps and cries. And in the promise of the, the community that stands and says, we do God helping us. And we do this for the promise of something, for the promise of a one-day body. You see, there is this other body that we look forward to. See, there is this concept of one-dayness in the church. And actually, if you, if you are, still hold your Bible, you can take a look in Acts chapter 3. The very next words there are one day, because that's what happens in the church. See, the business of the church is just, they go on about the business of the church. And so the one day happens, and that's how Acts 3 begins. I don't want to belabor kind of a massive theological point here, because if you study Greek, the word is just and, as opposed to one day, but. And I'm not going to hang a whole theology on the word and here. But the point is, between Acts 2 and Acts 3, the turning of the page is the church understood who it was and then said, oh, well, let's go and do. Well, what's the first thing they go and do? They go and heal a body. We've been talking about 
hope and fellowship. And we look forward to hope perfected and to fellowship sweet as we sit at his feet. And so for the disciples, this idea of one day was the next healing, you know, a broken body, a broken home. And all of these analogies, these come, they come to life. And where does this guy get, get healed? But it's at the gate beautiful. <laughs> a broken body begins to jump and walk and run and praise God for the ability to work and find shelter and make a home. Friends, that is church. Should we be surprised that in the house we set aside as a place for worship that freedoms of expression like jumping and leaping and praising God, those things happen when God shows up. Want to know what the church is? It is a place where God meets his people and in sensing his presence, we respond in worship, listening, and in loving charity. And if that's something you wish to be a part of, you are in the right place. And the reason you don't see it is because the church is broken too. Just like our bodies. Like the social systems that we see around us. And the ways of life that we all wanted before or after a pandemic. And may I say to those particularly, perhaps even those who are at home struggling to come back to church because you found yourself on one side or another side of a line drawn for us by this world, know that the church is a safe place to come and find acceptance. That God is here and He is truth. And as we check our own desires at the door, and exchange them for his one day, we can be so ready and willing and able to move as a group, as a fellowship, by his Spirit's power. Because the Spirit will not be contained to this place should we give him room. Yet in our brokenness, in our incompletion, I get a daily reminder. Some of you I've only shaken hands with maybe once or twice, or maybe some online, never at all. I've noticed in the last couple of weeks uh, people staring at my, my left hand. <clears throat> you might be able to see it from where you are. Um, you might not be able to see it online. I'll see if I can put it there. Um, Two of my fingers are, uh, are shortened in that, well, I, let's just say I get a 20% discount on manicures. Um, I lost two of my fingers in a, um, in a woodworking accident. Uh, one of my favorite things about the story is that every time I tell the story, I get about 45 other stories. See, I see that hand, well, most of it. Uh, and, it's okay, we're on the same team here. It's the beautiful thing about these stories, and we can, I can tell the story of my injury with, uh, with someone else who had that experience. Uh, and so I'll share, uh, I'll share only, um, I won't share the details of this, but I'll share only some of people's responses. I had a, 
uh, boss at the time, this happened about uh, 12 years ago, something like that, um, college-educated guy, talk about a man filled with hope. <laughs> he says, are they going to grow back? I said, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. It's like, I can try. Um, one of my biggest fears when I was uh, in the hospital was that as a musician, I wouldn't be able to play anymore. I remember with tears in my eyes saying to my wife, I'll never play the guitar. <laughs> I play more instruments now than uh, I ever did before my accident. Because God says, you think, <laughs> you think you got something going with ten fingers? Let me show you what I can do with eight. You're shy? You have a crippling fear of people? I'm calling you to learn my voice so that when it is time for you to speak, I will speak through you to help this broken world. You think that because you're 78 years old, fingers curled around a battered leather Bible, clacking knees each morning as you get on them, lifting up your grandchildren in prayer, You think God doesn't hear you? God hears that prayer. He knows that voice. One day, our bodies may be broken and battered, sometimes by others, sometimes by ourselves and our own mistakes, or the sin that so easily ensnares us. And we're tempted to do evil and more often today, it seems it's easy to be complacent about the things that we know we should do, about the meetings that we should have, about the opportunities to go and fellowship and share and hope in a group like this. That God has called us to be His people gathered together. So we repent, Lord, heal our body. And so Christ, the great physician, the healer and cornerstone of this church, the pillar holding us upright, he says above all of this, in this great analogy, he says he will be our head, our thoughts. He will control blood flow. He will intake our, the intake of nourishment and air, and He will be our source of hope. He will be our source of fellowship. He will be our one day. We don't have to rely upon ourselves to do it. And we do have the difficult work of living in community, of being hope-filled people, of being called into account Every once in a while, as we see when we look at people like Ananias and Sapphira. But this is how the church starts. And this is how the church really grows. One person at a time. One person at the beautiful gate invited in. In Tennessee, we had an annual event on Easter weekend. I was reminded of the practice by a friend of mine, uh, another pastor from uh, East Tennessee, Fred. He was a pastor long before I came along. But 
Every road in that part of the world is a country road. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of those, um, it has the quality of a country road. You know, friendly people driving slow. Gravel roads, not always, but old roads. Built by people following the terrain, you know. Far enough from the eastern Smoky Mountains, but uh, to almost begin being the plains, but uh, they were um, still an abundance of hills that when we rode the bus to school, we called them the, ho the roller coaster hills. Do you know what I'm talking about? The ones where the, your stomach would kind of show up over here every once in a while. In the spring, particularly, it was humid and, and muggy, so that come round about April, the local watering hole was also uh, very inviting, popular. Uh, Easter Sunday uh, night, the church would always gather together for an outdoor service. And there was a nice little sandy beach there. And the sand was always cold on the, on the nights, though. Driftwood was dry enough that we could use it to build a bonfire. Danny and Miriam his wife, Danny Franks, they, uh, they always brought these, the, the sandwich makers, you know those little uh, things that you put two pieces of bread in, whatever, I'd never seen one before, and so they made fast friends of all the kids, like, I mean, and she always had like seven coolers filled with peanut butter and like all this stuff, and so all the kids always hung out with Miriam. Kids were sugar-filled, up too late, running around, in and out of the water, Leanne and her sister would start to sing a song. Someone pulled out a guitar and someone pulled out a fiddle. I, I remember them singing and their mom singing, but I don't think her dad ever said a word. Miriam had a tough uh, childbirth. She didn't move much from uh, her location. Danny had diabetes and was struggling with his kidneys, but you wouldn't know it unless you spend some time with them. They're really humble people. They wouldn't, uh, wouldn't tell you about how things are going. How's it going, Danny? Oh, it's just fine. Well, thanks for coming. That was always Danny who would always address folks. I know it's been a while. People who had been there knew what was to come. You see, you pull up a blanket, you set up around the fire, and the kids would listen as the Franks family would introduce themselves, and then on it went. It was almost like a pattern, you know, they'd go around the circle. My name is Greg, and for those who don't know me, I work on engines, and if you ever need a hand, let me know. And this is my wife, Julia. She makes the best green bean casserole in the county, and if you ever need. And then next... Hi, I'm June. My kids are grown now, but if you ever need someone to come by and sit with the kids for an afternoon, just give me a call. I'm Peter. I have a truck, and if you ever need a lift to town, and on and on it went. Around that circle. People, especially new people, felt really welcome, and some would even, even ask about the event if it had a name or something like that, because they didn't want to miss it for the years to come. I'm so-and-so, and if you ever need, you know. It's around about 10 o'clock. Uh, Danny Franks, always Danny, would stand up and say, well, <laughs> that was a cue. It's time to go. He'd kick some sand on the fire. And people would pack things up and go. 
remember him saying to me, you know, Josh, people don't really change much, do they? I've been doing this every year for almost 20 years here at this little church, and there's always somebody new. doesn't change much. It was really shaping for me to witness that. I remember how it really shaped how I viewed living in a community of people who believed something together. In Tennessee, we did have a name for that meeting. Uh, Danny told me that they called it something. They called it church. They call it church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here among us. That it's only by your Spirit's power that the church has continued to today and that it's only by your Spirit's power that the church has its next sure footing. And so, Lord, we just want to put our, uh, our efforts back towards you, put our energy back towards you and say, Lord, take all that we have so that you may build your kingdom here for your glory. We thank you, Lord, for your presence with us during this message, Lord, and we ask that you be with us today, that as we go from this place, that we may be uh, ready, able, willing to not just wait, but to be witnesses for your church as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.